Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. for being here. If you're a guest today, uh, I hope that this new series will be a blessing to everybody. Uh, I want to start by just saying this, because every every year it seems like every church speaks on relationships, marriages, things like that, but I'm coming at it from a different angle this year, more than I ever have in teaching in this in almost 18 years of being uh, in in pastoral ministry. Um, I, I, I I have a thought. What if the church came together on Sunday and was more concerned about ministering to someone else than they were themselves getting ministered to? Now, I believe with all my heart, uh, I know some of your circumstances, and I know that there's more than that. There's people here today that need to be ministered to. But what if instead of every week we came as consumers, we came as how can we encourage the body of Christ? and reach our mission field. And so in this series, I want you to think this way. Whether you're single today or whether you're not single today, I want you to think this way in this series as we talk about relational status that we can help the body of Christ by ministering to each status. Here's something that we're good at as as Jesus followers. We're good at this. As Jesus followers, we're good at compartmentalizing our relational status when it comes to being a Jesus follower. Your relationship status has a lot to do with how you can impact the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about four different relationships. Number one today is being single. Number two will be uh, uh, dating. Number three will be marriage. And number four, we can all skip, but we're not, is parenting. And uh, I hope that uh, you will get something out of this and that this will be less about our opinions and more about the Word of God. It's something I've been very convicted of as a senior pastor. I've been saying it for the whole month of January, and I'm going to continue into this series, is we need to get our truth of life out of God's Word. And there's a pen in front of you. And we order these pens because we want you to take notes. In fact, I'm really considering, I've been talking to our staff about uh, printing out notebooks so you can get them at the Connection Center and just uh, punch-holing every week and being able to put in sermon notes because there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to need to go back to the Word of God and reference it. So I want you to take a pen right now, and I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to get ready uh, for our message today as we talk about the relational status in life. We come to this hard part, relational status is something we all deal with. In fact, if you make an account with just about anything online, they're going to ask you, what is your relational status? Are you single? Are you married? Uh, They're going to ask that of you. I I think we've become really good in church about compartmentalizing this subject. It seems like we're very spiritual about some things in life, but when it comes to relationships, we get very opinionated on what feels good for us. 
And often what we can do is we can negate the fact that God's Word has something to say for every relational group in God's Word. If you're a Jesus follower, I want you to remember this. We exist to glorify God. Say that with me. We exist to glorify God. As a Jesus follower, I believe that I exist to glorify God. It's not the other way around. Now, I know there's seekers in this room. I know there's some of you going, well, I exist to get done with this sermon so I can eat some hot dogs at the Super Bowl. Come on now. And how many of you are rooting for the Rams? Can I get a witness in the house? All right. So our one of our past, Pastor Matt is a Patriots fan. Last year, I put his cell phone number up on the screen, um, but I won't do that this year because we've grown quite a bit and he'll... Give me the cell phone bill. Um, but today I want to talk to you about the status of being single. I want you to, to think about these thoughts. There are many reasons why people are single. When we think of the word single, for some reason, it's, it's interesting to me in church life. For some reason, we kind of look down at that. But I, I want you to think of this. There are many reasons why people are single. They are single and hoping to get married. Single and not looking for a spouse. Single and divorced single and widowed, and I'm probably missing a few. Many people see marriage as optional. They may pursue singleness out of a desire to avoid long-term relationship commitments, a desire to be sexually active with multiple people with no real consequences, or for other financial or career reasons. People who think this way are missing both the biblical purposes of singleness and of marriage. Scripture teaches, if you're a Jesus follower, I want you to hear me today because we need to turn this around. If there's something the enemy is fighting us on and we are losing the battle for the kingdom of God, it's relational status. You are not single or married for your purpose and your glory, but no matter whatever your status is, should be for the glory of God. And scripture teaches that those who are single should be single out of the desire to fulfill God's calling on their lives and not for the reasons I listed above just a moment ago. From a biblical viewpoint, singleness is not meant to allow a person to sin, but it's meant for the person to pursue holiness and God's calling in his or her life. People must come to a biblical understanding of relationships to grasp this. People must come to a biblical understanding of what our status can do for the impacting of the kingdom of God. You say, what does that even mean? That means that no matter who you are, no matter what circumstance, no matter what brokenness you feel, no matter if you're divorced, no matter if you're in college, no matter if you're single for a while, whatever it is that God wants to get the glory out of your life, and whether it's a mess, whether you have made mistakes, whether you have made things in your life and you look back and you feel guilty about them, or someone's done that to you, I want you to know. God knows exactly where you're at. And no matter where you're at, no matter your relational status, you can bring glory to God forever. And people must come to a biblical understanding of this. This begins with an understanding of the gospel and of God's desire to have a personal relationship with him. I want you to know it's not a religion. It's a relationship. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm insignificant. Well, I would agree with that if you are a Patriots fan. But if you're not, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm insignificant. Well, can I say to you that no one is insignificant to God? You say, well, Pastor Mark, I've done some things. Yeah, join the crowd. I want you to look. People look all dressed up today, but inside they're just as messy as you. 
Everybody has a mess that they're working on cleaning up. And the truth is the one that can clean up the mess is God himself. And there is nobody, there is nobody from the youngest child in this room. There is nobody that is insignificant for the kingdom of God. I wish you would actually believe that. I wish every single in this room would actually really believe that your status has a lot to do with the kingdom of God. I wish that if you were married today, that you would actually believe that your marriage and its fulfillment, its restoration and its fruitfulness is for the kingdom of God. I wish you would actually believe that the kids that are in your home are the best place to make disciples that can affect and impact the kingdom of God. Let's believe that today as we learn what the God's word says about being single. There are many unique issues associated with the lies of each subcategory of being single. It can be very hard to address all of these issues in one sermon. Singles also can feel awkward in various social settings, which includes big time in church. Sometimes we make being single very awkward in church. We have a lot of emphasis toward children's ministry here and student ministry and couples ministry and small group ministry. But the church and our church has got to do a better job at ministering to singles because singles matter just as much for the kingdom of God. There is a place in the body of Christ for people of every status and the focus of every believer regardless of their status, should be to serve God well. You know, I I think one of the biggest poisons spiritually to Hamilton County is our goal is to have a good family instead of our goal bringing glory to God. Our goal is to be successful instead of bringing glory to God. Our goal is to look the happy marriage part instead of bringing glory to God. Our goal is to be be big in our career instead of bringing glory to God. Now, what if we turn that around? Because I can tell you, you can have both. And I can tell you, you can be at more peace and you can have more fruit and you can have greater impact when you turn that around and say, I will live my life to the glory of God. And when we live our life to the glory of God, then God will work everything else out in his time for his purpose and for his glory. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number seven. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. I've been saying this for four weeks. This will be the fifth week. If you need a Bible, I've bought several people Bibles or gave them recommendations. Go see Connect and you will have a Bible next week. But take a Bible and I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians seven thirty-five. This is gonna be our theme verse for the next four weeks. It says this, Paul is saying to the church, I am saying this for your own benefit. I want want you to look at this. The pastor is saying this. He's saying this for your own benefit. He is talking about relationships in this chapter for the benefit of the Jesus follower so the kingdom of God is impacted. And he says this, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. Say that word with me, distraction. Say it again. Are you ready? Because some of you weren't ready. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Distraction. Now, how many of you know that that word puts a lot in between you and God? Your relationship with other people, your relationship with human beings, your relationship with God. Paul was saying and he was identifying and he was agreeing with the body that there will be distraction where you don't bring God the glory. And Paul tells in this verse why he's bringing up relational status. 
He is trying to help clarify, no matter what your status is, that instead of being a distraction, it should be used to glorify God. Let me give you a little background. The book of 1 Corinthians deals with many significant problems in a local church. Do we have any problems in this church? Not at all. Not at all. Several of these problems involve sexuality and marriage. By the time he had gotten to writing chapter number seven, Paul had already discussed association with those who were involved in sexual sin, the specific sins of immorality and sexual activity and the need to run from sexual sin. Then, then the Corinthians, the church of Corinth, certainly had many problems when it came to singleness, marriage and sexuality. It is interesting that Paul then addresses a life of celibacy in chapter number seven and verse number one. In chapter seven, Paul goes on to address various questions and concerns about the issues associated with different types of relationships, married, single, engaged. While Paul does give practical advice to all types of people, his constant theme is a service to God. Paul does not condemn marriage or singleness. He wants all types of people to be in the relationship status that best enables them to serve God. What if we thought that way? that I'm going to have my relational status match what best allows me to serve God. That's a different way of thinking. Don't even say it's a different way of thinking in our culture. It's a different way of thinking in our churches. Whoa, I lost everybody on that one. What if every Jesus follower said, instead of me pursuing happiness for what Mark wants, I pursued what God wants, and I'm going to pursue whatever status it takes for me to bring glory to God. If you look at the stats on singles, when it comes to being single, according to the U.S. government, there are 109 million single people over the age of 18 and older in the U.S. This means that 45% of Americans who are 18 are, are, are single. 53% of singles are women and 47% are men. Of all of the single people in the U.S., 63% have never been married. 24% are divorced and 13% are widowed. As a church, we should not compare relational status to what ours is, but we should learn, no matter our status, to leverage it for the glory of God. Can I, can I just get you to pause for a second? Whatever status you are, know that God created you as a Jesus follower to bring glory to himself. If you think that way, no matter what tragedy, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how frustrated you are, no matter where you're at in your relationships, married, married, single, dating, whatever it is, if you say and you just close your eyes and you just think to yourself, wherever I'm at at this moment, I believe in Jesus, I have a relationship with Jesus, and whatever my status is at this moment is to bring glory to God. I want you to write a couple of things down in this passage. And, I, and I'm doing this very practically. I want, I want to explain to you because sometimes 1 Corinthians 7 can be confusing. But I, I, want to, I want to write this statement. I want you to write this statement down. Single people are free to be married, but are not required to do so. Not required to do so. I, I want to read the text here in 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 28. It says, now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I do give an opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is faithful. 
Because of the present distress, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. However, if you do get married, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she's not sinned. But such people will have trouble in this life and I am trying to spare you. Let me give you the background of that. The CSB, which I use up here teaching, begins this section with the word virgins. While this is a correct translation of the Greek, the NLT says something and I want you to write this down next to that word if you're in the habit of taking notes today. Young women who are not yet married. You see, the the, the longer our world is alive without Christ coming back, the more broken it's going to be. And I think the concept that Paul is talking here is not yet married. This may be a good way to describe the, uh, the, the, the group of people Paul is addressing. And verses 25 through 28, because many single people today are not virgins. And so as we look at this and we put a spotlight on it, it's not something to feel shame of as you sit there. It's something to just be real. And it's something for us to say, this is the life we're at and this is the world we're in, but I want to give the rest of my life to the glory of God. Although Paul uses the term opinion. I want you to look at that word, opinion. Gives an opinion. Although he uses this word at the end of his discussion, however, he informs them that he is the spirit. He has the spirit. And verses 40, verse 40, write that down. Chapter 7, verse 40. He, he tells them he is in the spirit. The spirit is leading him. It becomes evident in verses 29 and 31 that this opinion, this opinion is based upon his clear sighted understanding of the end time situation, which we all now live. He speaks with his usual assurance and present presents his arguments as an expert consulted for his judgment. Experts. The word expert. It seems like today that everybody who has a Facebook account is an expert. Social media deems you to be an expert. Experts in life that help people solve problems. You know, I thought about this, I was studying this, and this is probably off the point, but as I'm thinking about the church coming, not just to be ministered to, to minister to others, we naturally become critics. If we're not careful, we'll sit here today and we'll criticize if we're not advancing the kingdom of God. And experts of life that help people solve problems. Some examples are a doctor. I just had surgery and a doctor helped me through it and I'm going through physical therapy right now and, and, and I'm listening to that physical therapist part of the time. And, and uh, mechanics, plumbers, counselors, lawyers. Paul is the greatest expert when it comes to giving advice because the Spirit of God used him to write the passage in verse 40. Paul's perspective in these verses seem to be to remain as you are. Now, I I, want to explain this. At the same time, Paul does not forbid single people to get married in verse 28. It seems as though Paul is trying to help people in every relationship status understand that they can already serve God today right where they're at. If you've gone through a bad divorce, don't rush into pursuing another relationship. Pursue the glory of God who will bring you into the right relationship 
when necessary for his kingdom. It seems as though Paul is trying to help people in every relationship status. Singles do not have to get married to serve God. Married people do not have to become single to serve God. The point is that not to pursue a status, but to pursue God instead. Don't pursue a status, pursue God instead. He will fulfill and complete you and bring you to the right status for this time in your life and he'll bring you to the right point when you need it and you can end up pursuing marriage and end up with the wrong person and find yourself in a world of hurt. Paul wanted to emphasize the fact that each person can serve God as they currently are. As a student, you can serve God. As someone who's been in a broken relationship, you can serve God. As someone who's never been married, you can serve God. Any status, because both singles and married people can serve God. It is not a sin to change your status from single to be married. But what he's saying is, is it is, doesn't matter your status, you can serve God. Say it with me. Say it with me. It should be on the screen. Say it with me. My social status should never stop me from serving God. Say it again. My social status should never stop me from serving God. No matter if you have 18 kids in your house, you can still serve God. No matter if you live alone, you can still serve God. No matter if you're dating, you can still serve God. No matter your status, it should not stop you from serving God. It's just whatever your status is, it gives you a unique niche in the kingdom of God. And so people in every social status could use their status as an excuse to avoid serving God. For example, married people might be too busy with married life and the kids. Dating couples might be too focused on their own dating relationship to spend time with others in the church. And singles might struggle with building relationships with others who are dating, married with kids. Paul believed that single people could avoid some trouble in verse 28 in life by remaining single instead of pursuing a human relationship, pursue a heavenly relationship and God will bring the right people in your life at the right time that brings glory to him and brings you peace and happiness. Paul goes on to describe what he means in verse 29 through 35. And here's the next statement. Single people have a unique freedom to focus on God's word. Single people have a unique freedom to focus on God's work. If you look at verses 29 through 34, it says this. This is what I mean, brothers and sisters. The time is limited. So from now on, those who have wives should be as those they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they didn't own anything. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For this world in its current form is passing away. I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man concerned about the things of the Lord how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, verse 34, and his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Let me give you a theologian perspective named Garland, he describes Paul's arguments in these verses by writing this. Marriage 
brings responsibilities that divide a person's heart at a time when singleness of purpose is most needed. Preoccupation with the things of this world will result in a lack of preparedness for the world to come. The unmarried who devote themselves fully to the Lord have a practical advantage in that. When reading these verses, it can be helpful to remember Paul's status and his personality. Just just let me give you background. Otherwise, it almost sounds like being married is a wrong choice for Christians. Some of you may be thinking that right now, and I'm not letting you out that easy. Paul was single. In verse number seven, he reveals that he he was single. Paul was also the type of person who gave 110% in all that he did. No matter what he was doing at the time, he gave 110%. Anybody else like that? Okay, nobody. Great. Just I'm the only loser in the room like that. Um, Then you, you see Paul, whether it means studying as a Pharisee, he was all in. Persecuting Christians, he was all in. Or serving Christ, he was all in. Paul was all in in every part of his life. In Paul's particular circumstance, a missionary in the first century who traveled extensively and faced many dangers. It was an advantage for him to be single. He wanted others to consider living a single life like his in order to have the same advantages. Right now, being single may give you an advantage and a niche in the kingdom of God. There's single people in our church serving right now. I was even looking this morning. I'm, I, I won't embarrass everybody, but I'll embarrass my own son. But uh, people that are single in our church. Uh, the, the guy playing the drums, Jackson, he, he grew up here uh, in our youth group and he just graduated from high school last year. He is leaving us in, in, in April to go to school and he's given his time, hours to this church and to the kingdom of God. He's able to do that. I think of my son, I think of Lexi who was leading worship. I think of others who are on the stage that are single. They're giving their time to the glory of God. They've got a uniqueness about them right now where they have some free time. Instead of filling it up with other things, they've decided that I'm going to expand the kingdom of God. It's not wrong to date. It's not wrong to marry. It's wrong to be unsettled in your life without bringing glory to God first, understanding he has a plan for you. He knows exactly where you're at and his timing is a lot better than you and mine. Instead of chasing after the one that may be the wrong one, live in peace with God. It will save you a whole lot of trouble is what Paul's saying and you can expand the kingdom of God uniquely. That's all I had today is just that. I mean, when thinking about singles, it's important to stress that they may not be single forever. That gives you hope, right? They should seek to maximize the time in which they are single, even if they do not know exactly how long their singleness may last. For example, a single person might be better able to uproot his life and do a year-long mission trip overseas. That would be quite difficult for a married couple with children. I want to put something on the screen. And if you're a parent of a college student, you ought to consider this for your student or have them talk to me. I've already talked to two people. There's this uh, sin relief. You go to Gen Sin, college students for the summer. They get to the place, cities in America where there's lostness, and they can serve and give their summers to serve. And so I think we should start pushing ourselves to think more about being kingdom-minded with our relational status than being happy with our relational status. Here's, here's the third thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't leave here and go, well, Pastor Mark said I need to be miserable. Whatever status I am and right now being married is pretty miserable. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying as human beings, we are really good at being happy short term, but really bad without Christ having happiness in the marathon of life. I watch it all the time. Newly married, dating, singles who pursue human relationships. I even watch it with people who find a new church and they're so excited and they find out that Pastor Mark isn't all he's cracked up to be. And all of a sudden the newness is worn off and we go from place to place to the things to things, to people to people, pursuing that short-term happiness because human beings are real good at short-term happiness. But if you want a marathon of happiness, glorify the king and out of it will bring you happiness in life. So I've got to, to, to land the plane here. Write this last statement down. People of every social status should be focused on serving God. People of every social status should be focused on serving God. Look at verse 35 again. I am saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper. I want you to stop right there. Where are you at in your life? Some of you are very happy. And I applaud that. But is the end game for you to be happy because you're going to come off that hill one day? Or is the end game to bring glory to God? Then if you look, he says, what's proper is to bring glory to God. Then he says, so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. Let me give you another theologian perspective by Garland. 1 Corinthians 7, he is saying, he will not ride roughshod over their freedom and decide for them how they will live out their calling. His purpose is to help them live lives that please the Lord. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you've been called out. Let me say that again. I'm landing the plane. There's hope. But you need to hear this. If you have a relationship with Jesus, no matter how close you feel, no matter how far you feel, you've been called out from the rest of the world. You know what that means? That means you've got to do your best to push distractions aside to bring God glory to himself. If I'm doing something to harm my marriage, it may be okay for me, but the Bible also says to not have a stumbling block to other Jesus followers. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's three weeks from now. Single, you may have freedom to be happy, but it may hurt your testimony for God. It says whatever relationship, the phrase put a restraint on you carries the idea of throwing a lasso over the heads of animals or placing a noose on you. Paul is emphatic that he does not want to do this to the Corinthians. That's between them and God. Your relational status is between you and God. You're free to change your status from single to married. But I'm just trying to get you to think. If you find yourself in a unique situation later in life that you never thought you would, if you pursue that relationship status over the glory of God, happiness will elude you. Long-term happiness will elude you. 
Each social status has its advantages. Young married couples without kids, married couples with kids, older married couples who are empty nesters. Every person should seek to serve God in their particular season of life. Every person must also value and appreciate those who currently have a different social status. All of this should be done so that people may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. And so as we look at our church family here, some of you only come to this service and you don't know the people in the next service. It's just just as full. But as a church body, God's put and placed people in your life, whether it's in the lobby, whether it's in a small group. So many people say, well, I don't need a connection group. Yes, you do, because someone needs you. And so my point is this, as a church body, we are to live together, not comparing our status to someone else, but to redeem the time, glorifying God with our lives. Hey, do you know the 200 of you that are sitting here today that received Christ last year? Do you know the 16 of you that received Christ in the last four weeks? God called you out in a relationship to himself. So number one, not for happiness, number one, not for peace, number one, not for love, but number one, to bring glory to himself. And when you strive in a relationship with him, it will bring glory not only to himself, but it will bring you peace, it will bring you happiness, it will bring you love with the right people in your life. Distractions in church. Many people are easily distracted in life. As a pastor for so many years, I say many people are easily distracted in church. So much more that I think distraction is more in church than in life. Just saying, as a pastor, some of you can't stop looking at the TV in the back that has the countdown clock that I never abide by. Some of you have been coming here longer than me and there is an architectural flaw in our ceiling that pops. And every time it pops, you've been here for 17 years and you're. And everybody around you, squirrel. Some of you have looked at your phone 1800 times since sitting here. Some of you have shaked your knee so bad. It's like my new dog at home that shakes his. Some of you are so distracted. Some of you are distracting where you talk so loud. There are other people in this room and they can hear you. Shh. Distraction. Some of you think I'm ridiculous right now, but what's new? It is also difficult to stay focused on serving Christ. Let me be transparent with you. I've had a season in my life about a month ago that was very low for me, spiritually. I won't keep beating the horse, but when I broke my leg, I I really am still trying to work out, I'm just being very transparent, work out what was the spiritual significance at that time of breaking my leg. I've learned not to chase after golf balls on a rainy day. And thank you for some of you who've brought me golf balls so I don't do that anymore. I don't know whether to feel the love or what. Listen, we have seasons of high becoming Jesus followers. Then there's seasons of distraction. Not only did the leg 
breaking, give me a distraction of pain and, and all that other stuff. It just, it tanked my self-worth. But you know what it did for me? I'm happy it happened because through eight weeks of not being able to depend on just myself and others, it reminded me that my self-worth isn't in the title pastor or into the church growth movement or into the fast-paced life of Hamilton County. But my self-worth is in my relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you of that. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm distracted right now. Then why don't you pause and remind yourself that the worth in your life is your relationship with Christ. Many singles feel lonely and unloved. They may turn to things that harm them. They may find a new person where they fixate on and I'm not saying that's all bad. I'm just saying if you leave the path of bringing God the glory and you make excuses why this is going to fit into your life and, and there's people in your life with alarm bells it could hurt you. Many non-Christians see being single as the new normal. Specifically, those who have abandoned biblical teaching on sexuality and marriage may see singleness as an opportunity to be sexually active without long-term commitment. Legalistic Christians who are single may be prone to use their status to elevate themselves over others. They may talk about their singleness, including in struggles in a way that draws attention to their own sacrifices and commitment to God. While some people may be single to fulfill their calling from God, legalistic Christians may use their singleness to put down others and build themselves up. My friend, the gospel says that God loves all people with every status. The gospel says that he loves the spouse that lets you down and divorce you. That's painful to hear. The gospel says that he loves the victim of divorce that who's been left alone. He loves you. The gospel says that he loves you no matter what sin is in your life, no matter what messiness you're in, or no matter how everything seems perfect right now. The gospel says that he sent Jesus to die for all mankind with all statuses in life. No matter what they think, no matter what their theology of life is, no matter if it's against the Christian faith, no matter if it's against God's view of marriage and the home, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for all mankind. And I say that because God desires to have a relationship with all people that removes their loneliness that removes their satisfactions out of people, that removes their careers out of the way, that removes all things that are distractions. And he sent his son to remove those things because happiness eternally and happiness long-term doesn't come from any man or any woman, but happiness comes from Jesus himself when we pursue to bring God the glory due his name. So when this happens, it makes us realize that they are known. If you're single, you're known. 
If you're single, you're loved. And if you're single, you're accepted by God. Now, I closed the Bible in my sermon book. But I don't want the thought to end. What if today, yeah, I preached on singles. may not have helped some of you very much. But maybe it helped you in this. To be aware that everybody's relational status is important to the kingdom of God. And you can help minister to each relational status. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.